0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for watching over us this past week, for blessing us with a safe weekend, and Lord, that you have been good to each and every one of us. Thank you, Father. And even now, as we come to study your word, we're asking for for your Holy Spirit to please bless us and to be with us, to uplift our thoughts, that we might understand your word, but have the wisdom also to know how to apply it to our lives this evening as well. So Father, please. Draw close to us now, we pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. Our study for this evening is entitled Jesus' Encounter with the Demoniacs of the Gadarenes okay and you know the disciples as we studied last week is a continuation from what we studied last week and uh, it was the, the the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus and they went through a really rough night on the sea well actually it was more the disciples because Jesus was having a good sleep while the storm was howling and blowing and the ship was filling up and they were ready to sink but yet Jesus was still asleep But yet He got up and He calmed the storm and He gave the disciples a very important lesson about faith. Do you remember that? If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, um, it's recorded there somewhere. You can go look in the Facebook there or um, you you can go back and look through the sermon archive. But now they get out of the boat on the other side. It's daytime already and the disciples, they are anxious and happy to get off the boat because it was not a good experience. But let's pick it up there in now Mark chapter 5 and starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 5 verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So the disciples, They go from the storm to a man with an unclean spirit, from the fire into the frying pan. I'm not sure if you know that saying or not, but this man, he was not coming out to greet the disciples in his right mind. Look at how the Bible describes him, continuing in Mark chapter 5 and verse 3, "...who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him." No, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This man was a sight to behold. He had chains hanging off His legs and His arms, dried blood everywhere from the cuts that He had made on His body and His limbs, hair all mangled and messy, not even a look of sanity in His eyes. He was ready to come out and tear the disciples and Jesus to pieces. No man could tame Him. They even tried to hold Him down and lock Him down with chains. But these evil spirits, these unclean spirits gave him supernatural strength that he even broke them, probably at the expense of his own health, his skin and his bones. Blood was dried up everywhere, all over his body. The disciples, they had had a long night already, and now they're ready to run back into the boat and row off again ready to face another storm rather than have to face this crazy man that was running towards them. You know, friends, sometimes we are like this man with the unclean spirit. Look at how the Bible describes this man. He had chains hanging off him. You know, many people today wear chains nowadays, small chains. They're around their necks, they're around their their wrists, around their ankles, all over their bodies. You know, I'm telling you, sometimes the way you look at how we we dress in our modern day, it it really resembles this man that that is coming out, running towards the disciples. Now, not only that, the Bible says that he was cutting himself. And we like to make cuts all all over our bodies today as well, not everybody. But you know, that's what tattooing is, right? It's small cuts. I remember there was one time when I was in the United States and I was canvassing, I was selling books door to door and I went into this tattoo shop and I started my canvas and I tried to sell a book to this man and he was holding his arm in this cling wrap. He had just got a tattoo and there was blood all over that cling wrap. Uh, I don't know why they wrapped it up like that. I had no idea why, but you know, obviously when you make tattoos, you cut yourself. And then we have earrings, cut yourself, nose rings and belly rings and tongue rings all over the body. We, like this man, like to cut ourselves everywhere as well, isn't it? There's also one more description that's given about this this demoniac that we read in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8 and verse 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of a city, the city, a certain man, Which had devils long time and wear no clothes. This man was naked, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. You know, this guy was not wearing any clothes when he ran out towards the disciples and Jesus. And let me tell you, friends, we live in a society where we are close to walking out of our houses naked nowadays, isn't it? mini skirts and micro mini skirts and tops so low that you can see everything underneath see-through clothing the list just goes on and on what people were embarrassed to wear out a hundred years ago now people without shame walk out it's the fashion it's the trend and we have much in common with this man don't we? But Let's continue the disciples they see this man and they turn around and they're running off and they're ready to get back into the boat but they realize what Jesus is not with them he's still standing there and he raises his hand as this man is running towards him and look at what the Bible says here Mark chapter 5 verse 6 but when he saw Jesus speaking of that demoniac afar off he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said what? What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. You know, this man, even though he was filled with these unclean spirits, he desired to be free and when he ran when he saw Jesus the Bible says that he ran towards him and he's kneeling down ready to worship him he wanted to be set free but when he opened his mouth in a cry a desperate cry for help the evil spirits took over and started to speak they recognized Jesus they recognized the Son of God for they themselves were fallen angels that had been in heaven before they knew that this was the savior of the world the commander of the heavenly host and they asked jesus not to torment them why because jesus had commanded them to come out and so this encounter continues mark chapter 5 verse 9 and he asked what is thy name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many This man, he had many evil spirits in him. A legion is about three to six thousand infantry troops and one to two hundred cavalry. It was an army. This man had an army of evil spirits in him. We don't know what he did, but obviously something that he had been doing had brought these evil and unclean spirits into his life, but yet he even then, he desired to be free. And it continues, Mark chapter 5 verse 10, And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down into a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, 2,000 swine or pigs, and they were choked in the sea. So Jesus, He gives the demons permission to go into the swine, into the pigs. Jesus is in control and He allows these evil spirits to do that. And when they get into the pigs, they cause the pigs to run down this steep slope and jump into the sea and kill themselves, all 2,000 of them. You know, friends, that was a lot of money that this person who owned the swine had just lost 2,000 can you believe it do you do you know it must have been a scary experience for those that were taking care of the pigs all of a sudden the pigs just run off never done before never seen before never happened before right they just run off and they they know the issue They probably see see this demoniac man running out of the tomb where he had been staying. And he'd been quiet until the disciples get onto the shore with Jesus. and, And they see them get out of their boats. And this man comes running towards them. And they see this off in the distance while they're taking care of the pigs. And all of a sudden, there's quiet. And then all of a sudden, you're one of those men that are taking care of these pigs. And they just go into this frenzy like you've never seen before. And they run off into the sea. And commit suicide themselves. What happens? Mark five fourteen tells us, "They that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country." And they went out to see what it was that was done. So they were taking care of those pigs. That ran those that were taking care of the pigs. They ran off into the city to tell everyone. What had just happened? So the city people, they began to come out. They were curious. It's not often you see 2,000 pigs run off into the sea and drown themselves. And look, the owner is definitely one of those that are amongst them. Do you know how much one pig sells for today? I don't know, I'm not in the meat or farming industry or whatever industry that kind of values it. I, I, I just know I look it up in Google. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know, either way, it's not a small amount. I, it is estimated that one pig costs about 600 one. and we're talking about full grown, right? So this man was taking care of, I mean, this man owned these pigs. It was not just for, for fun. It wasn't his hobby. It was his lifestyle. This man, if he owned 2,000 pigs and they were 600 each, he lost, in just that instance, he lost 1.2 million dollars. Just think about that for a minute, okay? The, the, I don't know if you call them shepherds, I, I don't know what you call people that take care of pigs, but they ran off into the city, and now the townsfolk are coming out to see what has happened? They're, they're, they're interested. They just heard about the drowning of 2,000 pigs, that one man just lost a lot of money, and they're curious what is going on. It's never happened before until this man comes with his 12 disciples, and, and uh, you know their presence has stirred this all up. What is their reaction when they see Jesus? When they see this man with who used to have an unclean spirit, what is their reaction? Look at what the Bible says here. Look at this, Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to them that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So these people, they come out and, and how did they react? What was their reaction when they saw Jesus and the man that used to be possessed with that evil spirit and he's in his right mind, he's clothed, and he's not running around screaming everyone. He, where? He's calm. When they see this man sitting there, calm and and closed, the Bible said what? Did you see it at the end of verse 15? The Bible said they were afraid. They were what? They were afraid. Now, wait, wait. Why were they afraid? Why were they afraid of this man who is now healed? They, they see Jesus, they see this man, and when they see him, they get afraid. Even though he's in his right mind, he, he doesn't, well, maybe he still has the chains hanging off him, but he's clothed. he's not screaming, he's not like the man that they, they know him to be. He's perfectly normal. Why are they scared? Why are they afraid that he's healed? Why? were they scared that he's gonna jump up and poo? Scare them! Maybe bite them. Were they scared of that? No, they weren't. Of course not. Friends, why were they afraid? They were afraid because of what had happened to the pigs. Do you understand this? And everybody. They were afraid because of what had happened. To the pigs, you see, the evil spirits had obviously left this man. He was free from evil spirits. One look, you know, that this man was healed. He was back to his sane, normal self. Okay, they went. The evil spirits. They went from this man into the pigs, and the it made the pigs kill themselves so obviously the evil spirits were not floating around they were in something do you see that they were now floating around everywhere possibly in someone else's animals are you with me possibly another person They were afraid, the people from the city, when they came and saw that man that was now healed, they got afraid because they were afraid of what the evil spirits would do next. Maybe one of the neighbors owned a thousand cows. Maybe another guy owned two thousand sheep. If the evil spirits entered into them, surely they would incur a lot of loss. So instead of being joyful, instead of rejoicing that this man is no longer terrorizing them, that this man is now set free by the grace of God, instead of rejoicing that this man had been healed and that he is calm, instead of shouting and chasing everyone that walks by or near his tomb, they were afraid because they were scared of their own lives and for their own property. They were probably more content having this man to be possessed with the evil spirits than to be free and now have those evil spirits floating around everywhere, possibly doing even more terrorizing than this singular man did. In one day, there was one man, one owner. That lost 2,000 sh- uh, uh, pigs not sheep that he lost 2,000 pigs he lost over a million dollars and if I was in his position I would pre- be pretty upset as well but instead of being happy instead of praising God and welcoming this man with now open arms and he was now healed they were afraid you know friends many times We are afraid of Jesus. Do you know that? We're afraid of what He's going to ask us to sacrifice that we know is not good for us. You see, Jesus allowed the evil spirits to enter into the pigs. Jesus was God. He knew that those wicked and unclean spirits were going to make the pigs run off the steep slope jumped to the sea, and drowned themselves. Jesus knew that. He was God in the flesh. He knew that, but He had a purpose for that. Why? Look, Jesus was in the area of the Gadarenes. And when you look up the Gadarenes, Gadarenes is not a heathen land. It was part of Israel. It was part of God's chosen people, chosen race, and chosen land. And so this area was Jews. But they were raising pigs and the the Jews considered swine or pigs unclean meat. They should have not been rearing pigs. For what reason? Maybe to sell to the heathen, sure, but surely not to sell to the Jews unless they had apostatized that much that they were now eating things that they knew from their religion and even the Bible today specifies we should not be eating, right? You know, just as Seventh-day Adventists, we should not be owning a liquor shop or a tobacco shop to sell to people, never mind SDA, just any well-meaning Christian. You sh- sh- shouldn't be selling tobacco and, and, and uh, spirits and liquor as your, your work and your job. And so Jesus, He was trying to save the owner that had backslidden from his faith that had obviously gone down the wrong path for the sake of money and for the sake of gain. And so Jesus, not only was he trying to heal this man that was was taken over by these unclean spirits, thousands of them, but he had his purpose in allowing the evil spirits go into these swine to allow them to be killed so that the owner would shake awake That that Jesus might have opportunity to speak to his conscience, to show him that he needed to change. But instead of repenting, they came and felt that pecuniary loss, and they got afraid. Afraid of what was possibly going to happen next, of who was going to lose something next because of what Jesus had done. Friends, are you afraid of Jesus? Maybe you said, there, no, I'm not afraid of Him. But maybe God wants to perform a miracle of healing for somebody, but in order to do that, you might have to incur a loss. Are you with me? And it's not that it was necessary, but somehow if we are to be lights to this world, we need to take up our cross and follow Jesus, don't we? Many of us were afraid that He's going to come up to us today and ask us to give us the. Give up this, or give up that. Give up things that even we ourselves know that is taking us down the wrong path. That which is taking up our time and our money that is pushing you down the wrong path, the path, the to destruction. Too many of us we're, we're afraid to admit it, but we're afraid of Jesus. We're afraid that he's going to come and he's going to say, Okay, Ben, you know better. Time to give this up. Just so that you can serve me. Just so that you can work in the gospel ministry to save some people. We're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid to give up our lands, our possessions, our money. We're afraid to give up our time in case we incur loss from our business. We, we're afraid. And some of these things are good, but you know, in this context, when we're talking about the swine and the pigs, it was, it was bad. You know, maybe some of you have been gambling at the casino and you're afraid that God is going to tell you to stop. Somehow for, for years, you've gotten away with it and you've been gambling as a Christian and it seemed like God blessed you. You know, you got 2000 pigs already. God blessed why would he just take it away suddenly it's not him that blessed the devil can bless us too you know make us to forget God with all the possessions that we have maybe some of us were cutting corners in our businesses We're, we're, we're taking shortcuts in our schooling and we're not doing things honestly and we're afraid because we know, and we know that God knows. But we're just wondering when He's going to come and talk to us, isn't it? So what do we do, friends? What do we do? we many times, we're like the townsfolk. How did they react? Look at what the Bible says. Mark chapter 5 and verse 17. And they began to pray Him to depart out of their coasts. They began to do What? They began to pray to Jesus. They got on their knees, they folded up their hands, and instead of asking a blessing from Christ for them to be witnesses, they said, Jesus, please leave. Can you believe that? The Son of God, the Savior of this world? They got on their knees and said, Jesus, please depart. Not like how Peter, when he held on to Jesus' ankles and said, Depart from me from a sinful man, he realized his need and how sinful he was and his unbelief to Christ. But these people, all they felt was their financial, temporal loss. And so they got on the knees and said, Jesus, please leave. Please. They didn't want to sustain loss anymore. So they're praying for Christ, the living water, to leave. You know, I'm sure that many of us would not do that today. I'm sure that, you know, many of us would not get on our knees and say, God, just leave me alone. Although one of our youth did share about that, you know, but Christ. He knows what is best for us. It's just too often were too faithless to discern it, and we're too afraid to try it. Who would really get on their knees, right? And ask Jesus to leave them alone, to depart so they could make more money, or so that they could keep their properties and more of their personal belongings, right? But let me tell you, friends, if you know that you're going against God in the business that you are doing, or maybe you don't even own a liquor shop, but you work at one and you ask God to bless you that means you're asking God to bless the liquor shop so that it can have more business right then you're asking God to bless something that he says he would never bless or to bless your business which is going against his will his clear express will in essence you are asking Jesus to leave. Because all you want is the blessings of a Christian, but you don't want to be faithful to him. And so people, they got on their knees and they asked Jesus to depart. They were more happy to have a man possessed with an unclean spirit to trouble them to rather than have them lose their own possessions and their belongings. They could easily lock the door, even though they knew that this unclean spirit in this man had possessed supernatural strength, but yet somehow it never bothered them. And all of a sudden, this man is healed and they've been bothered. Do you see that, friends? You know, before we finish the rest of this story, I, I just want to come back and rewind a little bit. I want to take a look at a different aspect. Because remember, at the beginning I said that what? many of us, we don't realize that we're like this man with an unclean spirit. But, you know, after Jesus healed him, he was much different. Before he was running around, terrorizing the countryside, screaming his head off, he was naked, he had chains hanging off him and he was cutting himself everywhere. But look at what Mark says and what it describes of him after Jesus healed him we didn't look at that but we read it earlier in Mark chapter 5 and verse 15 the Bible says here that they come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the Legion sitting, clothed and in his right mind. There are three things that are described about this man which was filled with all these unclean spirits before, but now he was healed that he was sitting, he was closed, and he was in his right mind. You know, friends, when Jesus touches our lives, he changes us in every way. Faith goes beyond just a belief system of what I think or what I believe. But Christ changes everything instead of running around everywhere. And screaming his head off, this man was now sitting. Actions change. When Christ comes into our lives, our actions change. Before he was naked, now he's clothed. The way that we present ourselves, the way that we dress, it changes. Do you know that? And before he was insane, he was mad, but now he's in his right mind. Christ changes our mind. And when a man or woman gives their lives to Christ he doesn't just leave us just as he as we are he starts yes he saves us by his grace absolutely but he starts with changing the mind he gives us different thoughts he gives us different purposes he gives a new mind and new thoughts to the extent that maybe even our life direction changes we learn to have peace in our lives and and we can still allow and, and can be be still to allow God to speak to each and every one of us. And God even changes how we dress. Yes friends, if you study into the Bible, you will see that God has a standard for His people. This is not the church's standard. If you wanna join my denomination, then you gotta dress this way. No friends, God's people will be characterized even by how they dress at the end of time. The Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. Everyone looks at us to see whether God is with us or not. Everyone, angels even, and all humankind. That change should be obvious, friends. When Christ touched the life of this man who had these unclean spirits in him, when the people came from the city, they had one glance and one look at him, and they knew that he was healed. That's what the life of a Christian should be to everyone around them. Does people see Jesus in me? By the way I act? By the way I dress? in throughout all my life. My words, does all of this speak of Christ or of the world? Yes, Jesus loves you just the way you are. He always does. He even loves all those that have risen against Him. He loved those people that that nailed Him to the cross. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be in heaven. No, friends, Jesus loves us. But when He comes into our lives, He changes everything. He changes everything. And friends, can people see Jesus in you? Is the change so obvious that the family that you have grown up with all your life can see that something is different? For if there's anyone that knows, it's family. Isn't it? But I just had to bear mentioning that because it is so important. This outward changes are obvious to everybody and it must take place in each of our lives. We've got to go back and really see, God, have you been transforming my life or have I just been the same the past 10 years and and I'm no different when I was in the world to now when I'm a Christian? No, friends, that is not true conversion. That's not true healing. That's not true repentance. God, He changes everything. Well, let's come back to the story you know so the people that they're prayed they've prayed Jesus please leave us depart from us and Jesus he doesn't defend himself because he's a gentleman He, he doesn't force himself where he's not welcome and so you know he didn't back then and he doesn't today so he turns around and he heads off into the boat gets into the boat the disciples, and he's about to sail off. But look at what we read here in Mark 5, 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. You know, the man that was free from the unclean spirits, he begs Jesus. He is praying a different prayer. He's praying, Christ, let me come with you. Please, let me be with you. And friends, you know, if you were Christ, what would you have said? What would you, how would you have responded? Well, you know, I would have looked at that boat and uh, it was a cramped boat. It was a small boat. It was just enough for 13 people, 12 disciples and Jesus. I would have looked at Peter and said, Peter, get up, make room for this man. Oh, this man loves me more than you do. He's more excited to be with me. You ought to look at Judas. Judas, in my mind, I know he's going to betray me. Ah, no, 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 no. Judas, out. Let this man in. That's what I would have done. Make room for him. You know, some of these guys, in their zeal and their love for Christ, it was not at the same level as what this man had, and yet he had only been with Christ for a short little while. And he is praying, Jesus, please let me come with you. But look at how Christ responds. Mark chapter 5, verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion, hath had compassion on thee. Jesus said no to him, not because he didn't like him. Not because he didn't think there was any no potential in him. Not because, you know, for any of those reasons. But Jesus had a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. And Jesus sometimes, he says no to us as well. He says no to us so that we can be a witness. Do you see that? Many times Jesus says no to us so that we can be right where we are to be a witness. God, I'm stressed out with my job. I want to leave. Jesus says no. No. And we get upset at Christ. We wonder why. God, I'm not enjoying life. I'm not happy here. Do you think the the man with those unclean spirits would have been readily accepted? Probably not the very beginning. He had been an outcast for so long, people were probably still afraid of him. Not sure whether he was gonna get possessed again, right? He would have been better off with Christ. He would have had a nicer life with Christ. But Jesus said no. He said no, so that he could be a witness. Can you believe that? This guy had not had a single Bible study with Christ. He had had no theology training. But look at the result. In Mark chapter 5, verse 20, this demoniac man who is now free, this clean man I should call him, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He went about preaching everywhere. And what was he doing? He was just sharing his testimony. Ah, maybe he he had grown up in a Christian home and he knew some of the the words of Christ or the the words from the Bible, and, and you know. But mainly, what was he doing? He was sharing his testimony about what great things Christ had done for him. All he was doing was sharing his testimony. Jesus had a bigger purpose. This man was more ready to share the gospel than those 12 that were in the boat with Christ. Can you believe it? I don't know how long the disciples had been with Christ at this time, but yet this man who had spent, what, a few hours with Christ? Jesus said, you're ready. You don't need to come with me. Go. And so maybe... You're looking for a new job, or you're looking for a new course to study, you're looking for a new place to live, and, and God has shut every door, and He said no to you. It's because He's waiting for you to open your eyes that you can see His will for you, and for you to start sharing your testimony to all those around you. You know, friends, what was the result of this clean man no longer filled with unclean spirits. What was the result of this clean man's ministry? Look at this in Luke chapter eight and verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. Can you believe that when Jesus comes back a second time, everybody is waiting now. Why? Because of one man's ministry. Because Jesus said no to one man. Many people were waiting for his second return. Are you with me? For his second return. He'd been there once and he was rejected. People asked him to leave. And this man, because of his one testimony, his little ministry, many, all, the Bible says actually, were waiting for Christ. To return and so friends maybe today Jesus is saying no to you because there's people around you that unless you share your testimony with them they're going to be hopelessly lost but the question I have for you is this what is your testimony I, I, I look at the 89 people, it says on my little stats here. I have just got a little thing in the corner of my screen here. It says there are 89 people that are in this, in this, viewing this live sermon right now. There's only 50 comments, one of them, which is mine. It's so hard to get all of you guys to share a praise. <laughs> and, you know, no, no, this, this has nothing to do with faith, you know, your praises, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand me but I'm asking for praises every week. I'm asking for a testimony every week. What's your testimony? What can you share about the goodness that God has had in your life to others? Do you realize the importance of sharing your testimony? I hope you realize it tonight. It's important. Important to share about what great things God has done for you. And if you can't think of anything, it's because you've not been walking with Jesus this past week. It's that simple. Because, you see, the, the man who, and the woman who walks with Christ, they recognize the indications of God's providence and how God blesses them. And, and, and to the worldly mind, it's luck, it, it's chance, it's their own effort. But to the Christian, it's all God's blessings. All. do you have a testimony do you have something to share with people and if you do you have to have a willingness to share there are two things here you got to have your own story and your own experience with Christ but secondly you got to have your own willingness you know this man could have walked away disappointed why did Jesus say no to me Why? Hmm, I'm not going to share. You rejected me. I'm not going to share about you. He could have had that attitude, right? God, you didn't help me. I'm not going to help you. But no, his heart was so full of the love of Christ for what Jesus had done for him. He had also the willingness to share. And friends, you need to have that willingness to share as well. Because many of us were so caught up with our own lives. We know what God has done for us we don't have time to share or we're just not willing friends if there's anything we learn from this this encounter this evening is the importance of your own personal testimony your own personal experience the Bible says that even though Job or Joseph or Moses or Daniel or whoever was in the land they would save none but with their own righteousness Their their, their stories cannot help us. You knowing the story of Joseph or, or Moses or Samson or whoever in the Bible, their stories will not help you unless you have your own personal experience with Jesus. What is your testimony? The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 that they, those that would live at the end of time, they would overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Friends, I want you to pause this evening to think about God's goodness, God working in your life. Do you discern His leading? Do you discern His guiding hand? And maybe, just maybe, He's trying to open your eyes to that understanding this evening to help you to see that there are probably other people that are going through the same thing but they don't recognize it until they listen to your story. You got to share it. You got to share it. And so, friends, I pray that you would pray for a testimony and then pray for someone to share it with this weekend. I know that God would send that someone. But the missing ingredient then is your willingness. Are you willing to share your praises with us on Facebook this evening? <laughs> uh, simple application, right? You can start there. And who knows? I read through those comments. And I'm sure that when people, at least, you know, when I look at the live stream, I I, I see on the phone there, I see the comments come up and people reply and they put hearts and smiley faces and likes and all of that. Who knows how your testimony will touch the heart of someone else to be a convicting and a converting power in their lives. We all need that experience today with Christ. May God help us to open our eyes to see His providence and His goodness in our lives today. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, as we pause here this evening, we are reminded of Your goodness. And even as we reflect on our own lives, Lord, help us to be mindful of Your goodness as well. May You lead us, O Lord. Fill us with Your Spirit. Help us to remember how you love us so much. And how you desire us to be a witness for you. Father, if this if this man who had just spent a few hours with you could be such a powerful witness, how much more are those that have walked with you for years? And so, Lord, you desire this evening to use all of us to be a blessing to the whole world. Not just to be caught up with our own. Christianity in our own lives. But Lord, you desire for us to be a fountain of life and a blessing, not just to, to have fun with friends when, when we're off our studies and for our work, but to be a blessing to them, Lord. Help us to be that witness for you today, Lord. Help us to remember that you're coming soon. And help us to remember that you're calling each and every one of us to share what great things you have done for us To all those around us today, oh, bless us, Lord. Remind us and help us to be willing today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.